and welcome to Recovery Internet Radio, broadcast live and direct from Straight Stuff Studios. We've got a great show for you tonight. Welcome. Uh, if, you've, if you've paid attention, I, I can't keep track of what episode we're on, so I'm calling this 83. Welcome to episode 83, and we're happy to have you here with us tonight uh, as we are every Sunday night. Now it's 7 o'clock, new and improved time. Thank you very much. Uh, so thanks for joining us here tonight if you're listening live or if you're listening to this uh, on your archive uh, device of, of your choosing. Um, welcome to the show. I'm going to introduce our host, Mr. Rick Atwater. Anyway, welcome to Recovery Internet Radio and our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Tonight our tag is uh, ACA Addict Sufi, and you'll find out what that means later. <laughs> for those of you who don't know and for those of you who do, good for you. Uh, and our guest is Joy Kay. Thanks for coming uh, and joining us here tonight where we are every night. Every Sunday night at 7, again, 7, we changed our time. When did we change? Just last week? Just last week. Okay. It's, it's better. Uh, thanks to Chris uh, for being our engineer. Hey, hey. And, uh, yeah, and holding this all together. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, you get, you get one who. <laughs> That's all I need. Uh, and a couple of, couple of quick reminders. You can call in to the show. Uh, you certainly can. Live by using our call-in number, which is 323-792-2977. Uh, and uh, we'd love to hear from you, or you can tweet us at Rick Atwater. That's a lot. You can do that live right now, right, right this very minute. Just I'll read it. If you have a, if you have a, a Twitter, <laughs> send me, send me a tweet. A flutter. If you have a flutter. A tweet, tweet. Uh, okay. And what else we got? Oh, um, check our, check our website for you can, you can listen to us live on the website recoveryinternetradio.com. That's recoveryinternetradio.com. Or you can also listen to any of our archive shows at that same location. And there's between 80 and 85 of them at this point. Yeah, there's so. some, somewhere between 80 and 85 of those, of those darn things. Get on it. Um, I mean, we're going to do a couple of quick promos, and then we're going to get rolling here. Um, we, do we have any dates for Double Take? Did you look, look and see what their next gig is? We can make that happen, but not this very second. Okay, so we'll do that maybe a little bit later. But our, one of our favorite bands, Double Take, uh, you can find out what they're doing by going to DoubleTakeChicago.com. They're a fun little dance band. They do lots of good stuff. They play music from the 50s to today. We've heard them recently, and they're always a good time. Uh, we have friends at uh, a, a company called Dirty Laundry Designs, Fresh Cards for Addiction and Recovery, and they make really cool cards for recovery-related events. And you can go to Colleen at DirtyLaundryDesigns.com. Find out more about their cards. You sure? They're really cool. I mean, you can't go to Hallmark and you know. You're not going to get no. a happy anniversary or no. You know, not like that. They're really, they're really cool. Check it out. Okay, and we'll get uh, dirty laundry, or we'll get to uh, uh, you know double take later. Or do you want to say something now? There, yeah, like like Rick said, they're a great band. Go check them out. They'll have um, more dates uh, on their website, doubletakechicago.com, coming soon. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Exclamation point. Yeah. And you want to do psychics? Yeah, we also, um, every week we like to uh, give a shout out to a program that we work very closely with, Sidekicks Mentoring. Um, you can check us out at sidekicksmentoring.org mm-hmm. or org if you prefer. Um, it's a no-cost volunteer uh, youth mentoring service. We set up uh, uh, mentors that have a vested interest in helping, uh, helping kids that might be struggling, need a positive role model. Uh, we take the 
non-big brother, big sister approved uh, kids <laughs> for the most part. So you call them the bad little boys and girls yeah. that don't they yeah. got coal in If you're on stocking. Santa's naughty list, check us out at sidekicksmentoring.org. Please and give us have, a call. Wait, I should say. Do say. We have one organizational sponsor. That's Market Financial. <laughs> Holy heck, what's going on? Uh, we, we're, we're really kicking it. Okay, so I think we got everything. Did we get everything covered? I, I, you know what? If we didn't, just go with it. Okay, All we're right. just going to go with it. Um, we'll, and we also we have live music tonight at halftime. Woo! We are excited about it, and we will get to that. But um, so let's get to joy. Woo! You know what I'd like to do first? Before we go any further, I would like to just take a, I know you don't, you're not supposed to do this on the radio, but I would like to take... That's why we're brief, doing it. That's why we're doing it. Uh, uh, just a, a brief moment of silence, and I would like to dedicate this moment of silence to Sandy's son, Blake. Thank you. Thank you for doing that, everybody. Um, okay. Joy. Ricky. <laughs> Ricky, baby. So we have known each other a long time, my dear. Um, yeah. Should we, should we just say a little bit about that first? Why don't we? Okay. In the interest of, of full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> Some history here. Yep. Mm. We're talking well over 25 years, getting darn close to 30. Pretty close. Pretty close to 30. And how we met, this is like one of those really cool things in my life. I love this story. I had been clean for, I don't know, maybe a year. And I had just started going to adult children with alcoholics programs. And I was with this therapist when I was first clean. I wasn't going to program. And the therapist was good but not great. It just wasn't what I needed. And I got into adult children with alcoholics and started to recognize that even though I wasn't using any substances, my whole life was still a friggin' train wreck. All the behavior patterns and ways I had of approaching things were a mess, especially the way I related to men in relationships. So I started saying this prayer. I was like, God, I seriously need a therapist. And I, I was, I was tangentially starting to get involved with AA. I was being told about it. But what I asked for was, I said, God, I need a therapist. I want a guy. I want one who is willing to, in recovery, willing to talk about his recovery and willing to be disclosing about how he handles relationship problems. I need somebody to, like, show me the male perspective and how to do this thing. And so I went to an adult children alcoholics like seminar what do they call them like a day-long deal a workshop or yeah a, workshop yeah and i happened into this room i read the schedule wrong so i thought there was going to be three presentations in one room in an hour so you know a little over amped at the time <laughs> sat down and um you walked in the door with your wife mo the two of you were involved in something that you had come to the seminar, you had a presentation you were supposed to do, and you had the whole hour in that room. But something was going on between the two of you. You'd had an argument on the way there, 
And both of you walked in the door, and Mo announced, you weren't going to talk about the topic at hand. You two were going to turn your podiums to each other and work the thing out in front of us. Mm-hmm. Well, let me add one thing. Much to my surprise. <laughs> yeah. And, and perhaps chagrin. Chagrin. Yeah. And, yeah, and yet, no shortage of surprises. You completely rolled with it. I rolled with 100%. it. hundred percent. The two of you turned your faces to each other, and you, like, worked that thing out, and I was riveted. Riveted. I was like, this is live. This is all the way on. You were the answer to my prayer. Hmm. And I walked up to you afterwards, and I said, oh, my God, you're for And you said, Hon, here's my card. <laughs> Give me a call. Which you did. Which I did. Yep. And inhabited your sofa yep. a very short time later. Yeah, you did. And then everything right. went on from there. And then, like, and then later came to work for us and worked, yep. and worked for us for, what, 10, 12 years? Yeah, and you guys. 15 yeah, years. You were my entry really into um, the blooming of the garden of recovery. Yeah. I was already in it and loving it. But, like, the, you guys added paints to the paint box. It's just, like, I'm forever grateful for it. So what got you to the uh, a, a, well, you went to ACA first before you went. They say ACA, not ACOA. Okay. I, do they? Is that, is that what the, the drill? Uh, back in the day, we called it ACOA. They yeah. put the O for the of adult children of alcoholics. Yeah. It's, of is kind of a waste of time. Yeah. But anyway, okay. <laughs> Enough of that. Yeah. Yeah, I did that because... Um, when I first got clean, um, I didn't do any program. I didn't do any treatment. I didn't do any of that. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a, we can go there if you want. We'll go, maybe we'll get there in, but, yeah. in, in a bit. But I recognized after about nine months of not using anything that everything in my life was exactly the same, but I wasn't a sick high mess. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, this is deeper than... Like, I just drink too much or smoke too much pot or do too much cocaine or whatever the hell. Mm -hmm. I recognized that and thought, something's got to give. At the time, I was working for two people who were solid AA people. And uh, you were were, uh, doing corporate placement or what was Yeah, I was a headhunter. A headhunter, yeah. Yeah, I was a headhunter for two people who basically took me in when I couldn't staple a set of papers straight. (laughs) <laughs> they were um, they were a miracle. Yeah. And uh, I had been working for them for a while and, and basically got clean from substances working for them. I get you. And they were dropping these little hints about going to a meeting. But they were both alcoholics, and they went to AA. And at that time, I was not, I didn't claim that as a title. I, I couldn't see my way to that. But I knew I had a problem. I wasn't using substances. So the first meeting I went to was an Al-Anon meeting hmm. um, in the Deerfield Public Library. Hmm. And damn, I walked in that door and these ladies are talking. There's like a half dozen ladies are talking about their drunk husbands. Hmm. I'm like, well, um, you know, I'm like 25 years old. I'm like, not so much drunk husband. I don't know. Don't have just a husband. Don't have a, yeah. But I spoke up anyway and I said, I'm just looking for something and... Thank God some gal at the end of the meeting ran up to me, and after I spoke, and she said, I know where you belong. I know where you need to be. It's called ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. She told me where our meeting was. 
And in those days, this was probably in the, what, late 80s? Yeah. Mid 80s? Yeah. I think that so. There were ACOA meetings everywhere. Everywhere. That it was on the cover of movement. Time magazine. Yeah. It was, oh, you know, yeah. Man. It was John Bradshaw. It was Melody Beattie. It was Claudia Black. It was seminars everywhere. Everyone was discovering their inner child. It was just all over the place. Right, right. The cool thing was, um, for me, when I went to my first meeting, I walked in the door and I sat down and I started listening to these people talking about what had been going on, yeah. how they'd been raised, how they were still acting it out. And I remember literally ducking my head down because I really thought they were telling the truth and I thought, a plane is going to crash into this building and kill us all. <laughs> like they were, you, telling, they were talking about it? You can't do this. But I loved it. You can't. You can't. You can't. Yeah, talk you know that no secret. Remember, yeah. keep the secret. That's secret. the ACA. You're like family secret. Okay, Don't talk so about you can't. It. Yeah. Right. So they. What? What did you say? They. They were still. They were not in their family anymore. But they were acting it out. Yeah, their behavior was still reflecting oh. these sort of defensive patterns that they had learned. Yeah. I mean, they were super adaptive. I later came to recognize the behaviors. They were brilliant and adaptive, but they were also so restricting mm. and so um, formulated and designed to try to keep you out of danger. Because yeah. there was really no way to enter into relationship. Right, and and the problem is when once the danger passes, you don't. That kind of becomes uh, a useless tool. Exactly. Like yeah. riding a bike was absolutely fabulous when I was like ten years old. I went everywhere on my bike. Now I'm grateful to have a car to use sometimes. Right. Yeah, but if you were still, like, worried about where your bike was, we'd, we'd, we'd wonder about you. We'd, we'd have some yeah. problems. So what, so what were some of the things that, what were some of the things that lit up as far as your, you know, your, your stuff? Your, you know, what really, what really got you there? Was it, being, you know, being afraid? Was it chaos? Was it, was it what, was, what was the deal? Wow. It, it was definitely chaos, and it was also, um, when I chose a relationship with a guy, I chose the craziest nutcase in the room, <laughs> and literally, it was like, like magnetism. Mm -hmm. If there was 50 great guys in a room, and guy 51 was a mess, He'd walk in the door, and my whirly gig would whirl. <laughs> and, I, and, it, and, and it was insanity gone rampant. And I, I, was, I just had this, 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 this unbelievable urge to just a ask you to, to just pick out one, the person in the room that you would, you would have dated. But no, don't. <laughs> let's not go there. Let's not go everybody there. in here would have been really too well for me to go. Oh, for. really? Okay. I would have been like, isn't there somebody like in the ditch outside? I yeah. <laughs> just rolled their car in the driveway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and 99 times out of 100, the guy had to play the guitar. I mean, I'm sorry. That's Okay, so sorry. Okay. Yeah, there was that too. Okay. So. All right. So that was part so that was really what 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 more than anything else what what got you in the door was the the craziness of the relationship stuff. Right, and I was ultra aware that that was a reflection of the patterns I grew up in in my particular family. Yeah. And what I learned there. Yeah, which, so describe that pattern if you could. 
Um, I'm the second of four kids. I have a younger sister. Uh, there was older brother, younger brother. My dad, God rest his soul, was a brilliant, raging alcoholic. Just insane. And he, he, there was a loving heart there, but he created an atmosphere of terror mm. that was just stunning. And it, it, I'm sure it rewired my nervous system uh-huh. to be like, you know, like I can hear that there's like a child that just cried out 15 miles away. It's like <laughs> hypervigilance to the extreme. Right. So we were raised in this weird soup. And um, I learned early on in that atmosphere that relationships were about you had the power or you were subservient. It was one or the other. Either you were running the show or you're being run by the show. And, of course, the, those extremes created – it's impossible to be in relationship in that extreme. Yeah, it doesn't work well, no. Did, what what role in what role did you play in your family? What, were you the were you kind of more the peacemaker, or you were the you were the actor outer, or you were the what, where where did you fall in that uh, deal? Um, using the ACA language, I definitely had family hero going on. Yeah. But I had the underground rebel. Yeah. Because underground, I was like getting great grades in high school. And everybody thought I was wonderful, love me, love me, love me. And in the background, I was like getting high, running around, you know, sleeping with my boyfriend at an early age, going nuts. You know, we'd say we'd go to the movies, wink, wink, and mm-hmm. be at all kinds of places. I mean, like I went on a boat one time to a party in the middle of Fox Lake where people were shooting heroin and I was 14. Right. Probably not the smartest move on my part. Yeah. And yet, here I am, live to tell the story. So. Yeah. So yeah, the language, the, the language hero means kind of like you. The outward appearance was that you were the. Yeah. You were doing really well. I you was kinda, good. Yeah. People liked me. Teachers loved me. You know, I had all that going on, and then at the same time, there was all this other stuff. Although it's weird because back in the day, there was a hippie thing happening. Mm-hmm. So there was sort of this whole atmosphere of, like, we're tripping on LSD in the basement playing Jimi Hendrix and talking about how we're going to change the world. Hmm. So it wasn't just like... You were a little late, actually. We were a little late. (laughs) (laughs) Which was... You know, just saying. It was the 70s, okay? But it was okay with the the 72. Okay, so you were... It wasn't that late. No, not late. Maybe maybe four or five years. I was thinking a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. But, I mean, there's... So you you were doing that all along, like... Yeah. And and then went well. So the next question was when did the when did the drugs and alcohol start? But I guess you already answered that question. Yeah, that would be seventy two. Yeah, it was before my thirteenth birthday. Hmm. Started with drinking. Yeah. And uh, when I look back on it, the second time I drank, I had a blackout. Hmm. Think there's some genetics there. I'm thinking. Speck or two. Yeah. 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 And and it's it's you know I mean how much of a part do you think that plays as, as far as, you know, your particular disease? I think it plays a huge part in the charge that I got off of the substance. Yeah. 
Um, it did for you what it might not do for somebody else that didn't have the Immediately. Yeah. Like, welcome home yeah. was the feeling. Like you were suffering from an alcohol deficiency your whole life. Exactly, yeah. or an LSD deficiency. <laughs> yeah, and that is, it's hilarious, that, but that was really true. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, my God. I've always been meant to be this way. Why do you think so many people in this audience just laugh? Yeah, because I'm like, perhaps it's a similar experience. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of knowing grins. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a big part, and I know you have, you had other, obviously your dad had alcoholism, and then you had other. Big time, siblings, siblings. all used. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Does it help any, I mean, this is this is like off the path a little bit, does it, yeah. but it does it help any like to know that it's uh, something genetic for you as far as how you how you feel about having the disease as far as you know I mean because especially for a woman it's not like something that we you know it's not like something that people like yeah that's what I want to be you know what I mean there's some shame associated with it there's some you know that kind of stuff yeah um, I don't relate to that at all Good for you. I don't feel the least bit ashamed. Um, I came into it real honestly. I was looking for something, and I needed to go through it. Mm-hmm. I needed to have all those experiences, as fabulous as someone, as torturous as, torturous as it became. Mm-hmm. I was looking. I was looking for God in there. Yeah. And um, God's in there. And it's, why don't people understand that? I, well, I mean, I, I guess I do. I know why people don't understand that. I shouldn't, shouldn't ask that question. It doesn't look like that from the outside. No, it's, it certainly doesn't. But I had to have every single one of those experiences in order to get that the way I wanted to be open to God didn't require that anymore. But it was a, I needed that for my transition. I'm incredibly grateful that I have this disease mm. and I don't regret it for a minute. Yeah. Without it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have met you guys. I wouldn't have launched into what I launched into. Um, yeah, you work in the field, right? Yeah, I do work yeah. in the field and I needed it. Yeah. I yeah. needed to know there was no more mystery in that bottle or that joint. I needed to thoroughly find that out. No one could have told me that. I wouldn't, I'd be like, oh, yeah, let me go check again. <laughs> I had to have it, that experience. Uh, do, you think you're, do you think you're different in, as far as your attitude about it, or do you think most people are, in recovery are, are pretty, pretty secure in, their, in, in, in who they are and what they're doing and they're not ashamed? I mean, I'm asking wow. you to speak for a lot of people. I don't yeah. know. I just wonder if you, or what's your experience with that? What I can tell you is the people I'm drawn to in recovery are the people who live balls out. Yeah. They, they don't carry it as a shame or as something to be hidden, nor do they carry it as some kind of badge of honor or like, you know, hey, I'll put this on my resume. Right. It just is. It's just woven into the fabric of their being and their lives. And it's completely normal, whatever that means. Yeah, well, it just is. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Normal would be a great. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good way to that's a good way to put it. I don't know. I don't really know either how prevalent that attitude is, but it's a great yeah. attitude. Yeah. I wish there was more. I think I wish there was more of it. Yeah. 
So, and you, you lost a couple of siblings to this disease. I did. Um, both my brothers. Uh, my youngest brother, Matt, struggled off and on. He was able to achieve some periods of sobriety. He went to something like, I don't know, 14 or 15 inpatient treatments. Um, they all had co-occurring, you know, they had mental health issues as well, which I'm quite sure I do, but I, whatever. They're just, they are what they are. And he really struggled with it. Um, my older brother, John, put together 10 years of sobriety and got involved with, he had severe anxiety and depression as well. Got involved with a psychiatrist who touted himself as an addiction specialist and gave him a drug called clonopin, which, you know, you know well. It's a yeah, I know what it is. Yeah. Benzodiazepine. Sure. And after 10 years of sobriety, he got into the clonopin and it just took him down. And he eventually ended up overdosing on over-the-counter painkillers. Hmm. And I'm pretty convinced the clonopin that he had taken that in a way that his memory got lost and he took too many painkillers. And yeah. so I think it was addiction that took him out. Either way, I'm grateful to have had him. Yeah. But yeah, they died early. Yeah. Uh, 35 and 45 respectively. Right. Matt and Matt. Matt and John. Matt was on his way, waiting to get into a treatment center. When he, he died. was yeah. waiting for a bed. Yeah. At. Uh, Lutheran Resurrection General. of Palatine, yeah. Oh, it was? Whatever it was, it was called, Lutheran General, yeah. yeah. They had the program there back in the day. Yeah. And he was waiting on a bed. He was supposed to be there the next morning. And he drank himself. And he had arranged for a cab and drank himself to death. He'd gotten out of the hospital. He's in a psych unit. And uh, they said they had a bed for him, and they didn't have it. They told him he had to wait one night. Mm-hmm. And he drank himself to death in a cheap hotel in displays. Hmm. And the cab came the next morning, which is how the desk clerk found him. The cab came and said, hey, this guy called the cab. They knocked on the door, and he was gone. Hmm. But you know what? He got his recovery. Hmm. He just got it on the other side, not this one. Yeah. 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 How, do you, how, do you put, how do you handle the, the loss? I mean, what do you do with that? Well, in the beginning, like anyone else, cry and gnash my teeth. Yeah. But at this point, I feel so amazingly blessed and, like, my life is so full. Mm -hmm. The fact that I got to have these guys in my life, Mm -hmm. the things they did, the what kind of brothers they were, and then, of course, the other cool part of it is, you know, I have a number of people I'd count on as brothers in this room. Mm Mm-hmm. And as well as the spiritual community I'm involved in, I've got brothers. Yeah. I mean, they got my back. you got a big family. So I miss them, but I'm grateful for what we had. Yeah. We really had so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, a, it was tough growing up the way we did, but we had a lot more than most people. Yeah. You know, I always say, like, yeah, it was crazy, it was chaotic, it was scary as hell, but we had dental care. We had food on the table. <laughs> we had a warm house. And it's kind of funny, but yeah, like yeah. a lot of people yeah. go through that crap and they don't have that. You bet. They don't have a meal on the table. So I mean, anyway. and there's so many. I mean, I knew John <clears throat> very well. Yeah. And loved him. Yeah. As did everybody. Yeah. Good guy. He was a good guy. Yeah. And uh, what did we, and his nickname 
that I'll, I'll never forget. Cone, the Space Commander. The Space Commander. And he also had another name that okay. I don't know if you knew Say about. It. Cone Basket. Cone Basket. Yeah. It was Cone Basket. He got that at work from he somebody. Did. I don't he know. He did. So, Underwriter's yeah. Laboratory. Yes, exactly. Cone so, Basket. Yeah, John was, a, John was a really good guy, and, and I, I miss him too. Glad um, he was. So, but I, I think it's really it's good how you put that into perspective for yourself, and that you have and the the phrase uh, family of choice, you know, versus family of origin. That's again an ACOA yeah. kind of phrase mm-hmm. that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You've developed a family of uh, choice, Samson. Absolutely, and of course, you guys were an integral part of that. You guys were the entryway into like a giant family. People who I'm still close today to today, you guys, Tyler D. Jory, um, just you know, the just amazing, insane, wonderful, hilarity, and, and love, and that's part of your. I mean, I, I hear the I hear about the promises, you know. I know maybe we should. I don't know if we should get into how to yeah. describing the promises, but we're talking about recovery. This is what happens. Yeah. A new freedom and a new happiness. This is what you get. I mean, I've I've been granted that in spades. Mm. And uh, I, there's no way on earth I could ever repay the people who have carried me and helped me along the way. I wonder if that, I wonder if the way you are has anything to do with your name. Maybe. Because you got a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't remember, that's joy. <laughs> um, well, there's that. So, Okay. Where's our Where's our music guy? Oh, okay. Well, he's taking a brief break. He's warming up. He's warming up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I can hear him out there. Yeah. He's got a guitar. I listen for that. All right. Well, anyway. So yeah, you've got you've got a pretty big family now, and that's really good. I think what we're going to do is, in, in a minute here, we're going to take a break, and okay. then um, then we'll uh, come back and we'll talk a little bit about your recovery and a little bit about what you're doing now and how you right. how you put things into uh, into perspective. That'd that, be good. Does that work for you? I'd be thrilled. Okay. Honored to do so. Okay. So we're we're going to we're going to take a little break now and uh, you know our musical guest will be here in just a second to play uh, play for us. And can I plug our musical guest? You can. Um, we are just so thrilled tonight to have a young band by the name of Chris Mathian and a wonderful singer by the name of Athena. And all you need to know is her name is Athena, and she's going to be up and coming, so watch for her. How do you know about Chris? Uh, Chris Mathian is a fellow who's recorded quite a bit. Uh, I think he has like five CDs. I've seen him play live. He's just one of my favorite people as far as, uh, you know, underground, undiscovered, wonderful musicians. You heard him down in Southern Illinois? I've heard him in Southern Illinois. Uh-huh. He, I, he plays around up here. He's played House of Blues. and He goes by Mathian. That's his, like, That's his stage moniker. Name. Exactly. And what kind of music does he play? Uh, it's kind of, it, I, I'd call it soul music. It's, what did you tell me? Where's... Oh, he left. I don't know. It's oh. kind of R&B, soul. It's got pop flavor. I don't know. It's just music with maroon. Uh, cro- uh, yeah, soul music uh, with a cross with maroon five. 
Kind of. It's got that flavor to it. Kind of. He's got a little bit of Amos Lee and John Prine feel to him sometimes, and I, he's got a lot of. He's got range. Okay. All right. Well, he ain't here. So. Yeah. So we'll just well, let's just let's just well, for now let's just move ahead a little bit and. Okay. And then we'll get to the song. And then we'll get to the song, but let's you know so from the point at which. When, how did you get sober? When, when you got, I mean, what was the bottom for you? And then, then what was the first step out? Wow. Um, well, my using kind of went from that sort of brave new world, hippie, we're all hanging together thing. Mm-hmm. And I was heavily into the music scene mm-hmm. and did a lot of touring around behind various bands and stuff. And speaking of music, <laughs> shall we segue? Well, I think it's great. I, yeah. Let's that was a perfect it. transition. Let's that save was that question. Let's and, save it. Okay. Because I'd much rather hear Mathian and Athena. Okay. All right. All okay. right, Mathian. Okay, we're starting out with Mathian, I believe. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so this song is called Chemistry, and it's actually about um, getting clean. How novel. Yeah. Um, but really, it's more about um, not losing who you are and, and being yourself and kind of rediscovering that. So here it goes. You wrote this. Yes, I did. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Yeah. And performing it live as well. Here it goes, yeah. <laughs> Then it's 
start with the weed and begin with the need to be something other than at peace. Now that was your gateway drug, and now you're cruising through the streets and I'm cruising just to change your chemistry. When somebody made you beautiful and there's nothing else you need, so you gotta let it be. Upgrading the talent tonight, folks. Wapadang. <laughs> well, you know, most of it's been recorded, so but it, that's good. Yeah, it was really good. I like. Yeah, that. don't change your chemistry. Yeah. You already divided. I got, I got some people I want to introduce you to. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's yeah. get them over here right now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Get them on the phone. Um, so yeah, so so let's get back to a little bit about what what we were talking about that you know how you where you were headed and how you got sober what 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 the end was for you yeah 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 well like I said I was heavily into the rock and roll scene and I moved from college up to Chicago and the whole thing changed like the whole lovey dovey hippie trippy get high take care of your friends thing. Shifted into high party gear, and then, da da da, enter cocaine. <laughs> okay. That was the introduction right there. We all know that song. Right? So, um, the people I was around, especially in the music biz, got like way into cocaine, and, and I liked going really fast. So, I got into that, and at a certain point, I stopped, and I was like, nope, can't do any more cocaine. I, I can't do that anymore. So I'm still drinking, running around, partying, and what happened next was somebody introduced me to freebase cocaine. Hmm. Holy shit. That was bad boogie. Mm-hmm. That was bad boogie. Yeah. Um, if I can just put it this way, I was smoking the devil. Yeah. And... It took me so far down that I could care less. I literally ate once a week. It was bad. And it got to the point where I pretty much only wanted to be by myself smoking freebase cocaine. That was it. That was my purpose in life. And I had this experience, which is one of the most wonderful things that ever happened to me. I was up all night as usual because, you know, the anathema was hearing the birds start to sing. Mm. It's like those MF and birds. Mm. You know, here comes another day and how am I going to get the money and how am I going to cop? And I heard birds singing and I went out for a walk 
And I had been smoking whatever I could get my hands on that night. And I literally stopped and I saw in my heart and my mind's eye, it was like I was on a forest path kind of coming around a hill. And I saw amongst the trees that the path went up and there was a split in the path that went down. And at that moment, it was like God told me, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound, you know, make some kind of claim, but God said to me, like, step up or step down. No blame. No, there was absolutely no judgment, nothing dark or light about it. It was just a choice. And it was simple. Step up, you're going to have the rest of your life. Step down, take one more hit, and you're going to go out. It was just that clear. I was like, wow, if I step up, I'm done. I have to be done. So it was done. That was the end. Hmm. That's it. That's that's interesting. And you were already, and then you headed for, you headed for, you just stayed clean for a while after that, but didn't do any program work? Yeah, my program was um, do one nice thing for myself a day. Hmm. That was my sobriety program. That was my get off free base program. My brains were so scrambled. Right. If I could take a hot bath and not drown myself, I was doing good. It was a good day. Yeah. It was a really good day. We could call this Joy's Anonymous, maybe? It was a really good yeah. yeah. Uh, I couldn't have related to people at that point. I still don't know what my sobriety date is. I have yeah. no idea what day it was. Yeah. It was Day was not relevant. Well, and it's interesting to me that the, that it's, the, it's the spiritual peace. Mm-hmm. That was the was the factor for you right right then and there. Did you consider yourself a person that was on on some kind of a spiritual path or journey, or had that thought occurred to you? It was always an element. Yeah. It was always present, even in the the caretaking between each other when we first started getting high. It was just always there. It was always a part of what felt real to me and practical. Mm -hmm. Um, That got lost in the darkness of cocaine. Right. And when that came back, it was like the light snapped on, and that was the end of that. So now now in the title, I I mentioned the word soupy. Right. So let's go there. Let's say how – that's because we got a ways to go through. Yeah. Well, um, when I got involved with ACA and then eventually AA as well, I decided to go to a church, a unity church in Evanston, mm-hmm. where the preacher would read out of the big book mm-hmm. for his sermons. And I loved that place, and it was super welcoming, and got a much greater sense of spirituality there and a connection, um, kind of a reconnection with Jesus, because I was always really into like the picture of Jesus, like compassionate eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think he had blue eyes, but whatever, brown, blue, who cares? <laughs> So I got into that, but I was looking for something more. I um, wanted a deeper connection. I wanted to explore it more. And at the time, a friend of mine was becoming a Sufi teacher in New York City. He eventually became my spiritual teacher. He still is today. Um, Shout out to Sheikh Dean. And that led me to become involved in a Sufi spiritual community that migrated from New York to Southern Illinois. We're in Carbondale now, outside of Carbondale and around Carbondale. 
And I started practicing the form of Islam. The heart of it is to be in relationship with everything, in relationship with God, which means you're in relationship with everyone and everything that you encounter and working to be present to everything, looking to be present to all that we're given. Is that the definition of Sufi? I I couldn't even begin to define it. Hmm. All I can tell you is how I experience it Mm -hmm. and how it lands for me in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's like be awake, be in service, be grateful, be kind and be thoughtful. But if it's time to step up to the plate, step up. And how does it, how does, how do you, well, let me ask you this. How how does it fit with your recovery? I mean, it sounds like it would fit pretty well. I mean, because the, the principles aren't really significantly different. Yeah, it's completely seamless. There's no difference between the two. Yeah. To me, it's like the difference between the top and the bottom of a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you might not necessarily eat the tops, but it's all the carrot. Right. So to me, it just completely fits. A so in, pr- in practice, how, in, in, you know, like in a, in a, in a practical sense, in a day, on, a, on a, any given day, mm-hmm. how does your, practice, your religious practice look? And then how does your how does your recovery fit into that or be part of that? Being in recovery is foundational to being able to have a spiritual practice. I couldn't do that with a messed up mind okay. or heart. Right. Um, and to me, I consider my community and the work we do. It's an active, alive spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, the religion part of it is secondary to me. But I feel it's useful to practice the forms in order to exercise those spiritual muscles. Mm-hmm. And then, and the content is what has all the meaning for me. The content of the relationships, the service, it's how I met my husband. Mm-hmm. It's who I consider family of choice. Now it's widened the circle. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to serve and to see what's needed. And to live a lifestyle that um, is thoughtful. So yeah, so the 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 husband who is here tonight. <laughs> Woo-hoo, shout out to Wahid. Wahid. Uh huh. Okay. He's willing to put up with me, and he is not one of the nutty guys. P.S. Yeah. 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 Broke he didn't just cabin. crash his car out front. He's, uh, not hardly. No, He's no. the peach at the top of the tree. <laughs> That's true. That is. That is. He's the whole tree. Yeah. yeah, he's the entire tree as well as the yeah. peach. <laughs> that is true. Right. So. Yeah. 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 Well, whatever, whatever. But so, you know, I don't know how much you want to talk about that, but you, you so you met your husband and he was already involved in uh, the Sufi practice. Very much so. He had been a part of it for many, many years before I met him. And he was actually, uh, and still is, one of the best friends of our teacher, Sheikh Dean, uh, who's the leader of the Diami Tariqat, it's called. And um, I took our teacher for a visit and met my husband there. And within a couple visits of seeing him, I knew that he was also the answer to a prayer. A prayer to be in a very real 
and grounded relationship where I didn't have a back door already built in. Because that was my style. That was your style? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah because nice to be that's... here, got to go. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You were wonderful. Uh, I'm over there. But with him, it's not like that. And he's um, he's he makes it possible for me to be who I am today. His love and his support. Does do well that partially answers a little bit of my question, but but mm -hmm. does the ACA stuff still show up in your life? I mean, is that something you're done with? You know, you graduate or does that does is that no, it rears its ugly head here and there, but the thing is, I know it. Mm. And um, with the spiritual practice, one of the most important pieces is um, learning how to be silent, learning how to observe, to be a witness to what's ever going on in this thing here. And um, you're probably going to have to define that because the people. The thing on means on the like this, this person, body, yeah. mind, the, how I showed up in this world. To be able to witness it and watch it, and not react to everything, but to have a centered choice to respond. And that's the complete antidote to all of those patterns. They still show up every once in a while here and there. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, it's like. Oh, you again. Dropping your ice yeah. cream cone or something. It's like, ah, drat. <laughs> Do over. <laughs> are, are looking, looking back on it, are, are, you, are you surprised that you survived? On one hand, unbelievably surprised. On the other, not at all. I was led the whole way. I was carried. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. talk, talk about we'll talk about both hands. Talk about the talk about the hand that that is surprised first, and then talk about the hand that isn't. The hand that's surprised is about um, just the danger I engaged in, the harm I created to myself and to others, the uh, just the unconsciousness, the careening around. Mm -hmm. The sense of being so lost, the howling emptiness mm. that was my addiction. On the other hand, what other evidence would I need that what I call God, which is my higher power, um, in Arabic referred to as Allah, which just means the God in a different language, it's so, I was so carried. Um, how did I not die? How did I not come out like with a fourth head sprouted out of my armpit? <laughs> how, did, how did I see that step up or step down with no judgment or blame? How are all these people so willing to run to my aid? Um, it just is so evident that... It's almost like how could you doubt that then? Yeah, there is. A, I don't doubt it. I don't. Yeah. And, and at the same time, I'm incredibly grateful that I was carried and lived to see like this moment right here, this present moment. You, you've lost a lot of people. I mean, you lost mm -hmm. both, you lost two brothers and then, you, you know, well, you lost your mom, mom, dad, and then you later yeah. lost your dad. Ken. Yeah. Do you ever, 
Um, do you ever get angry at alcoholism? That still happens for me, especially being in the field. Hmm. I still get this feeling of like, the disease. And then what I remember is that it brought me here. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I have a right to judge anyone else's place in it. I used to be really angry at the disease and I was extremely passionate about recovery. Mm -hmm. And I'm not anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel I'm more compassionate about it. I don't want to run around on a soapbox and fight. Right. Um, I'm willing to help back up someone else's fight and help them get where they need to be if I can, if I have the capacity Mm -hmm. to. But I also want to respect what everyone has to go through to do their life. Right. And and yet, you know, there is that part of me that still when I see somebody out there, I'm like, oh, God, you're out there in the wandering in the field like and that come on back this particular thing is so stupid yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah but it's yeah. not because that's what people were saying about you know yeah so. yeah so it's always a mixed bag but um i just want to appreciate everybody's path and i think and i think everyone deserves the opportunity to have recovery however it looks for them do you, do you consider yourself a recovering person? Maybe that's a stupid question, given all we've said. 100%. Yeah. At meetings, I say, I'm grateful to be in recovery. Yeah. Did you come, how, did you come to terms with your dad before he died? Very much so. Yeah, I recognized that what was crazy in him, I acted out just as crazy. Hmm. Same, same. Hmm. No difference. And your dad died sober, didn't he? He did. He did, and kind. We were talking about that the other day, and it was like, how did that happen? Yeah, there's more evidence that we're not running the show. Obviously. Yeah, because the odds were against it. And yet, yeah, there you go. More blessings, more miracles. How old was he when he stopped drinking? I think he was in his 70s, late 70s, and died at 83. So he had, whatever, five, seven years of... Uh, a good period of time. Yeah. And at the end, turned into a very nice guy, had his own spiritual awakening and shared that and was kind. Kindness matters. Yeah. Kindness matters. Did, did you forgive him? Very much so. Yeah. I, I needed to do that for my own well-being. I mean, whatever that did for him. This might be a difficult question, but... Would you have been able to forgive him had he not stopped drinking and become a nice guy? I certainly hope so. Yeah. His way of being was never about me. Hmm. Yeah. It affected me, but it wasn't about me. Yeah. And that's the position you have to get to in order to forgive, yeah. Yeah. And to not keep torturing myself with it. Yeah. There was no reason to do that. So... This is maybe we'll 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 close with this question, but and it, and, and maybe it's it's pretty broad, but um, in the end, you know, sort of like pulling all the strings together. What are some of the things that you think you could say that you've learned 
Mm-hmm. And let me tell, say one more thing. The reason that I asked that question mm-hmm. is because there's people out here listening right. who might benefit by that. Okay. So what, were, what, what could you say are some of the things maybe that you've learned over the course of your recovery and in the experience that's, that you've had? Mm-hmm. What would be some of the main things that you could say that you've learned? Well, that the real antidote to addiction is letting another human being in. Genuinely letting them in, no matter how afraid you are of that. And of course, the right human being, um, I don't know how to say what that is for anyone else, Mm-hmm. But for me, and you were able to do that, yeah, and and thank God for the grace that the right person was there at the right moment, mm-hmm. and the right persons are there. Mm-hmm. Being in relationship now, getting to be in my spiritual community, getting to be with my long-term friends, um, it's been all worth it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the opening. Well, thank you for thank you for coming on and telling us about your ACA addict <laughs> Sufi. Thanks for having me, yeah, Ricky. I mean, you did you were the one who kicked the door open, dude. So. I kicked the door open. <laughs> you, uh-huh. you came it's your on. Fault. In. Yeah, I remember. You and Mo. Didn't we? And I I kind of have a, a vague recollection. Like I used to. I used to see like real late. It was like nine o'clock at night. Yep. And I, I think I was like most of the time I was really honest with you that like I, I virtually had nothing left to give. And yeah. we used to laugh about that. We would laugh our asses off. Yes, we would laugh our asses <laughs> off. And yeah. then your character, I remember one of your characters, we did the character mapping thing. And yeah. One of your characters' name was Klaus. Remember oh, Klaus? Yeah, I remember Klaus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Klaus. Hitler mustache and all. Klaus. <laughs> yeah, so we could reminisce about that, but being that we're on the air, maybe we should wait until... Never mind. Never mind. Another night. So what we want to do tonight is close with a song from Athena. Yeah. Athena, do you want to set it up at all, or do you want to say anything? Certainly. Are we good over here? Hi. My name is Athena, and... Um, I'm going to sing a song by one of my favorites, Miss Bonnie Wright. Go, May girl. I heard it.
Thank you guys. Thanks for the music. Appreciate it. That We're was done, beautiful. right? That was beautiful, wasn't it? Is it over? Uh, well, we probably have a little exit. We probably still have the exit to do here. Whatever you're so. doing, it's on the air right now. So yeah, we're going to keep going. We're going to exit. We're still on the air. That was fab, you guys. Thank you. Enjoy your stories and your words. Thank you, Joy. Thank you, Rick. We can't take any So here's the thing. I want to thank you guys. I'm going to close the show now, and then we can chat. Okay. Okay. Show closed. So thanks for coming. Thanks, Joy, for being the guest tonight. And thanks to our listeners and our studio audience. Um, we'll email out reminders for next week's show. And uh, remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com. That's recoveryinternetradio.com. For all, we got a little jingle going over there. You notice that? Um, <laughs> for all the archive shows and to sign up for our email reminder list, we 
like to get you on our email reminder list, so please go to the website and sign up. We want to hear from you so we know where you are, because since it's Internet radio, we don't know where you're listening from. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> We've never done that before. I think that's really a nice touch. All right. So as always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you at 7 p.m. next Sunday night. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>